My big fat mouth gets me in trouble. Who can say amen to that? My goodness. My big fat mouth got me in trouble when I was five like that kid was, and it gets me in trouble today still. I say things and... You know, it's, it's one thing to say something in a conversation, but when you're standing in front of, of people every week preaching, you can just say the darndest things sometimes, and it comes out wrong, and you're trying to say something good, and it comes out the bad way. I was listening to a preacher one time, and he was trying to say, Satan hates your guts, and instead he said, Jesus hates your guts. But he didn't say it once, he just like, he kept saying it, you know, and as a preacher, I get it, because your mind's somewhere, you know what you're, you're trying to say, but you don't actually say it, and so repeatedly the message was, Jesus hates your guts. And sometimes we say that the craziest things, our mouths, don't always work for us. It says in the book of James that, that the tongue is a wild animal that can't be tamed. It just, it just does things that you don't want it to do, says things you don't want it to say, and you just can't tame it. These next three weeks, we're going to talk about our mouths, the words we say. It's so important. Some of us say a couple thousand words a day. That's a lot of words. That's some of the men here say a couple thousand words a day. Some of the ladies... We're, we're counting the millions at this point. I mean, we're just, the words you say, the words you text, the words you say to yourself, we'll count those too. That's a whole lot of words. We're just, there's tons of words that come out. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I remember one time I was in youth group uh, coming, coming back from youth camp, and Josh Broom, if you guys know him, was in the car, and he was on his phone. I didn't realize it because he didn't talk for an hour. He was with his wife, Erica, and she was just talking to him for like an hour straight, and every once in a while he'd say, uh-huh. And that's what it was. That's just, that was the conversation. So some of us have a lot of words. So it matters how we use our words. We know this. Most of us have experienced this. And I've got some good news and some bad news for you today. You guys want the good news or the bad news first? See, the problem is it's written in my notes that the good news comes first. So y'all answered wrong. So here's the good news. <laughs> you, can't, you can't fight with the notes. When they say something, you got to do it. Here's the good news. Your words are powerful. Your words have power, spiritually, relationally. Your words are powerful. What you say to someone can change the course of their life and lead them in an incredible direction. It can just unleash it. You might have experienced this in your own life, something somebody said one time. They just said something to you, and it stuck. It connected, and your life has changed because of it. You ready for the bad news? Your words are powerful. You can cause a lot of harm. You can tear a whole lot of people down. You can create a whole lot of insecurity. You can create a whole lot of brokenness through your words. All of us have experienced this. A lot of us have, have passed where we have faced criticism or people speaking negative things into our lives, and that has warped our view of life and our view of ourselves. A lot of us have done this to other people, and we have said things to other people that were harmful, that were unnecessary. We knew it would hurt them, and we said it anyway. And this is our life. I can get, if you said amen, if this crowd said amen today, you'd be saying amen right now. This is the truth about our lives. Uh, when I was 16, I had a brief, uh, the, the most famous I ever got was when I was 16. You guys ever had a life like that? You peak when you're in high school, and the rest of it's just downhill from there, you know? And that's, I peaked at 16. I started writing articles for this organization, and they got posted online. It was a pretty big organization. I was not a good writer, never done anything like this before. Started writing, though, and because of the organization I was writing for, people started to notice. And so it was weird the first time when I opened up the Washington Post's website and saw myself quoted there. It was a weird thing. People just started quoting. But whenever you start writing and you start putting yourself out there on the Internet, you guys ever spend some time in the YouTube comments section? It gets really weird, really, sometimes it's nasty, sometimes it's just weird. You're like, how'd you come up with that, dude? That is weird, weird, weird. Okay, so people would start commenting on the stuff I'd write. And at one point, we had literally thousands of comments on one of the articles I wrote. 
and you have a couple good ones. You're like, what an insightful young man. I just hope my son grows up to be like him. And the other 4,998, or what an idiot. What an imbecile. Who let this kid out of kindergarten to try to write an article over and over again? Just all these comments. And as a 16-year-old, you're just like, wow, I should go back to kindergarten. Like, that would be really nice, actually, not to deal with this. At one point, this is, this is the height of my fame. I want you to be impressed. This is as famous as I'll ever get. MSNBC. You guys know MSNBC? Political channel. They spent a whole segment on one of the shows talking about an article I wrote. And they bashed it. They just lampooned me. They just called me names. It was like I was the biggest idiot in the world for saying what I said. Someone sent me the link. It's on YouTube. And they're like, hey, check this out. They talked about you. And I'm like, oh, this is incredible. I finally made it. I'm a big deal. He's an idiot. He's the worst. We hate this guy. He's racist. He's all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, what happened? When did that come from? Criticism is powerful. And most of us have faced in our lives from a spouse, from a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a parent. We've faced criticism or people attacking us, and it has hurt us. We've also done the same thing. It says in, in the Bible, it says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, those who focus on the tongue are going to eat the fruit, whether good or bad, life or death. You're going to experience that in your life. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this to the church that was in Galatia. He says this, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a good command. But then he says this, but watch out. If you bite and devour each other, you will be destroyed. Excuse me, destroyed by each other. I couldn't even say that. It hurt me so much. If you bite and devour each other, you will be destroyed by each other. In other words, if you use your words in a good way, if you love each other, you're going to build each other up. But you better watch out. And Paul had seen a lot of churches in his life, a lot of people in his life. If you bite and devour each other, you're going to destroy each other. The best commentary I've ever seen on this was in the movie Bambi. Thumper, you guys remember the thumper, the little rabbit in Bambi? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Don't use your words to hurt other people. And so in the Bible, over and over again, we have this theme of use your words to build people up, not tear them down. And often when we get into criticism and back and forth, it doesn't just hurt the person we're talking about. It hurts us too. You spend some time on social media especially in the political side of social media. I feel like there's a normal side of social media. It's like what the, the part of your house you show to people when they come over. And then there's the political part of social media, which is your closet you haven't cleaned in 10 years. And, that's, and you walk into that place, and it goes crazy. Like it starts off like this. Hey, I support this candidate for whatever reason. Somebody you don't even know comes back and says, I hate that candidate. And you come back and say, well, I hate you. And the next person says, you're a Nazi, and I'm going to kill your kids. Like, where did that come from? How did we get here? But it's just escalating. And before it's too long, both sides are caught up in this thing, saying things you never want to say. Because criticism, Paul says, tears us down. And I want us to realize this about criticism, and this is a biblical principle, that criticism often says more about you doing the criticizing than it says about the person you're criticizing. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the evil man speaks evil things out of the evil inside of him. That's stored up in there. But he says, the good man speaks good things out of the good stored up in him. In other words, the words you say are actually coming out of who you are at the core of your life. What you say is coming out. So when you criticize someone else about how bad they are and how you know, they got to fix this and that and they're the worst, you're actually saying more about yourself than them. Jesus said this right after he said those other things. He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
In other words, imagine, imagine your life like a cup, and whatever that cup's filled up with, once you get bumped, whatever spills out, and the words you say, that's really what's at the core of who you are. Which should be incredibly scary to some of us, because the things we say sometimes are just crazy. And that's not just words we said, it doesn't matter. That's something that comes from who we are and has power. And if you're criticizing a lot of people, let me tell you, it's not because you're just surrounded by idiots. It's not because everyone around you is just dumb, 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 and they need to fix their stuff. It's because you have a heart problem. And criticism is actually a problem with you. And your words are powerful. It matters what you said. It says this in Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. You guys ever felt that before? Someone will say something to you. Maybe they didn't intend it. Maybe they did, but just reckless, hurtful words. They'll say it, and it pierces like a sword. But then he says this. The tongue of the wise brings healing. I've got a couple of ladies who are going to help come up and help me with something today. They're going to help me illustrate this with not a cardboard box, which is the normal, but a face, a beautiful face. Why don't you all come back up all the way up here so everybody can see it well. Now, you see this beautiful face. Bella drew this earlier today. It's got eyelashes on it. The first one had eyebrows, beautiful, bushy eyebrows. This is beautiful, dainty eyelashes with a little mascara on them. Is that right? Yeah, beautiful eyelashes. So this is... You. Everybody say, hi, me. Hi, me. Hi, me. You guys are way better than the first crowd. You guys are better following directions. And, and so this is you, all right? Happy person. Your eyelashes may not be that on point, but you're generally a happy person. And it says in what, the verse we just read that reckless words pierce like a sword. Now, if only we had a sword today, I'd show you what I mean. And we do have a sword today. Can you help me out, Cody? <laughs> this is... An exact replica of Strider's sword from Lord of the Rings. This is not Narsil or Anduril, the reforged sword, if you guys are Lord of the Rings fans. This is Strider's sword. Anybody following me on that, what I just said? I love you guys. You're a bunch of nerds. Okay, so it says this. It says in, in Proverbs 12, 18, that the, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword. It, it sounds bad, too. And sometimes... If the person's close to us, it hurts even more, and it creates pain in our lives. And over and over again, someone says, you're not enough. No one's going to be able to really love you. No one can put up with you. You're a jerk. You're ugly. Whatever it is. Sometimes it's way deeper than that, and the words hurt. And it just keeps twisting, and, and the words keep coming that hurt us. And over before long, we look like this. The sound was worse than the stab, wasn't it? Oh, that was miserable. That was bad. I apologize for that. I mean to be that rude and ugly up here. And before too long, this is our life right here. We're just facing this pain, and, and it's hard, and we're carrying this stuff around with us in our lives. Now, here's the scary part. The reverse is true as well. We do this to people. With our reckless words, we may not try to hurt someone. We may just be reckless with it, not loving with it, not considerate with it. We do this to people's lives, and we, we create insecurity and pain. We push people away. You know how many people have been in the church and been hurt by words used about them or words said to them and have turned away from following after God because of words said by other people. We probably have testimonies here of times that's happened in our own lives, times we've been hurt in the church, times we've been hurt in relationships, and we end up looking pretty messed up. But the good news is that is not the end of the story because what does it tell us in Proverbs 12, 18? We'll toss it to you. Way to go. What does it say in Proverbs 12, 18? It says that reckless words are like swords piercing you. But it says something else. It says that the words of the wise bring healing. And so I can't quite heal this, but I can do the next best thing, and that is put white duct tape on it. And so the words of the wise actually help, and they help heal 
This is healing duct tape. You just got to leave it on for about 24 hours. It'll heal it totally. You got to put healing duct tape on the really messed up parts. I did a number on that one. Of people's lives. Wow, I don't think this is better, actually. Sometimes healing does not look good. It's, it's a process here. And you put the healing in someone's life, and our words can do this. So words can cause the destruction, and words can also bring the healing. And what's the difference? It's just what you say. What you say to somebody is the difference between pain, brokenness, insecurity, driving people away from the Lord, the difference between that and beauty, peace, joy, and a life in the Lord. No pressure, but your words have power. Let's give it up for our ladies here. Give it up for them. Your words have power. And often the pain of criticism in our lives can only be overcome by the power of encouragement. Now, can I, can I confess to you today? I am not a good encourager. I try. I mean, That's one of the things I'm working on. It's like a big personality flaw of mine. I think great things. Like, I love y'all. I love the first service too, but I love y'all. And I really do. Some of you I'm just getting to know. Some of you I know I've known for years. Some of you are in my family, and I really know you well. And I love y'all. I really do. Here's what I'm bad at. I'm bad at saying how much I love you to you. And I'm actually better about telling other people how highly I think of you than I am about telling you. I'm a bad encourager. And here's the reality. Without encouraging people, without building others up, there's going to be pain and brokenness that doesn't go away. It says this in Ephesians 4.29. And we'll be in this verse for a few minutes. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4, verse 29. This is what Paul says. He's, he's writing to a church in Ephesus. The Ephesian church was actually a really solid church. It was a church like Foundry. Good people, serving the Lord, doing good stuff, honoring him. They weren't perfect. And believe it or not, we're not perfect. You know why we're not perfect at Foundry? Because you were here. Yeah, you and everybody sitting around you is here. So we're not perfect. But, but Paul's writing to them, and this is what he says in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I want to stop there for a second. Do not let how much unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? Any. None. So it's not just, hey, I only said like three mean things today. That's better than the bozo next to me who said 16 mean things. I'm keeping track. I can criticize him later. That'll be my fourth mean thing. But I got a limit of five. It's only five mean things today. But no, Paul says, don't say anything unwholesome. And this word unwholesome is actually a word in the Greek, which is what this was written in, that means rotten. It's usually used to fruit or fish if it's gone bad. Have you ever eaten into an apple? Just bit into it and it looks so beautiful. I said in the first service that, that uh, who did I say had the apple? Sleeping Beauty, but it's actually Snow White, right? Snow White had the apple. I need to work on my fairy tales. Someone criticized me after the service about that. I'm just saying. So, Snow White had the apple, and it just looks like this perfect apple. Have you ever eaten an apple like that? It looks so beautiful. Red Delicious apples do this to me every time. I get that beautiful red-looking apple. I go to bite into it. I just eat a little bit of pick-me-up, a little refreshing, you know. And I didn't eat the brownie. I'm eating the apple, and I bite into it, and it's all bruised throughout, and it's nasty. You guys haven't had this experience. You're not, you're not connected with me on a deep level because this connects with me, and you just have to spit it out because it's rotten. And that's what Paul says is don't let those rotten words Words that should build up, should empower, should encourage. Don't let those words come out of your mouth. So this can be a lot of things. This can be criticism. This can be profane language that takes a good, godly conversation and takes it to a low level. Crudeness and talking about things that just are unnecessary to bring up. This could be gossip. 
This could be any sort of communication, any sort of words that come out of your mouth that tear something down rather than build something up. Words that are rotten, that don't, that don't provide benefit to people. So Paul says, don't let any of that come out of your mouth. And he says this, but only what is helpful for building others up. So we need to speak words that are helpful. Not, they're not going to harm. They're going to build others up. Encouragement is one of the best ways of doing this. Encouragement, speaking life, sometimes a gentle challenge of, brother, I see so much in your future that God wants to do. I don't want to see you throw that away. So I just think you need to just keep pushing towards the Lord or keep pushing on this thing. Keep working at that job. God's going to bless it. Some gentle encouragement, gentle challenge like that can help build other people up. But sometimes, if you're like me, you know how everyone should live their lives. Anybody with me there? You know how everyone needs to live their lives, and you just, you got a plan for everybody's life. The Lord does too, but yours is probably better than the Lord's. You just know how people are supposed to live, and you got it all planned out. And this, this next part of the verse corrects me, because this is what it says. Build others up according to whose needs? Their needs. Well, that changes it suddenly. The words I say aren't about me. They're actually about building someone else up according to their needs. So I actually have friends where my building them up looks more like a challenge, more like a, a pushing them, saying, don't give up, man. Come on, you got this. Kind of the mean challenge, the coach challenge, you know what I'm saying, the coach encouragement in the football movie when he's like, you bunch of maggots, get up and keep going, that kind of thing. Sometimes you got to call your friends maggots to really make them understand, right? You know, someone's going to challenge people. So I do have some relationships where my encouragement will look less like, hey, buddy, you're a big, strong man. You can do this. And more like, come on, dude, get up. Stop being a wimp. Okay, it'll be some of that. It really still is encouragement, but it's, it's just a different kind of encouragement. Because according to their needs, that's what needs to happen in their lives. For some people, you do need to get down. And I've had people do this to me. Hey, Elijah, you're a big, strong man. You can do it, buddy. Let's go. And it feels slightly demeaning at the time, but also kind of what I needed to hear, right? I needed someone to come in and just lift me up a little bit. And so this is what we're supposed to do with our communication. Not just have one line we say to everybody, keep going, bucko. You know, not just one line you say to everybody. I don't know where that came from. I don't think I've ever said those words before in my life. And I'm pledging to you today I won't say them again. So you have your one line, but it's not about that. It's about according to their needs, according to where they're at, of, of seeking out how you can bless them. But there's a third part to it. So you're supposed to not do unwholesome talk, but instead you're supposed to build others up, that's part one, according to their needs, part two. Part three amazes me. This is the next part. So that it may benefit those who listen. Here's, here's what's amazing to me about that. On the surface, it has one meaning. So that it's going to help those people that you're speaking to. It's going to benefit them. But there's something deeper going on. In the Greek, and this is written in the Greek, the words literally there are, you can give grace to those who listen. Now follow me on this. In Ephesians, in this book, when it talks about giving grace, grace is not just something that saves us from our sins. Grace is the free gift of God we did not deserve. It does save us from our sins. So when Jesus died for us, God's giving us grace to believe in him even though we don't deserve it. So when we think of grace, we think of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's what we think of. But in Ephesians, grace is so much more than that. It's actually the gift God gives you that you don't deserve to help you live like he wants you to live, to help you live into your purpose that he has for your life. So God's grace is God's gift to you to help you live fully into the task, the purpose he has in front of you. Now for you, I don't know what that is. What's your next step he's pushing you towards, preparing you for, deepening you in? But here's what, here's what Paul says. Your words, the words you say to somebody this week, 
can build others up so that you are actually giving them a gift from God that helps them live into the purpose God has for them. How often do you view your words like that? Right now, my words, they can be a curse, they can be a tool of Satan, or they can be a gift from God I'm putting into this other person's life to let them be all the man or the woman that God wanted them to be. That is the power of your words. The power of your words to actually give God's blessing into someone's life. Now, that's hard. That is a, not an easy thing to do. Why is it hard? Because we focus more on ourselves than on the other person. And I want you to realize this. Criticism is your opinion. Don't ever forget that. It's your opinion. Encouragement is their need. See the difference? It's a me focus. This is my opinion. I've got to, I've, look, I have opinions about everything. If you want an opinion, come to me. I'll give it to you. I'll give you seven of them. And there might be seven different opinions, but I've got opinions about the same thing. I can argue every side of anything. I've got opinions. But that's my opinion. Encouragement is about the other person's need, about looking beyond yourself to what they need so you can build them up because God's got a plan for them and he's got something he wants to do. And part of that plan needs you to come alongside and build up. Now, I'm bad at encouraging. I really am. Encouraging is kind of awkward for me. You guys ever encourage someone and it feels a little awkward? If you get really personal, it's one thing to say, let's go, Boudreaux. <laughs> it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually get really heartfelt and open about how you feel about somebody. That can be awkward and hard. I was sitting at the, the restaurant cookout downtown uh, a couple months ago. I love cookout. Cheap, cheap food. Uh, quality and affordable food. Affordable food, delicious food, a lot of food for a little price. That's, that is the recipe to a restaurant success for me. A lot of food, little price. And so we're there, we're sitting around, there's four of us, and, and I don't, don't know how we got to this point, but at some point I said, hey, let's go around and let's just encourage each other. I think we were all feeling beat down by life about right then. And so what we did is each person, and I've done this before, it's an incredible thing. In fact, you should do this on the way home today with your family. Each person will, will focus on one person. And so we'll just say good stuff. Each person will go around and say something good about that person. And then we'll go to the next person. And what you realize is we actually love each other and think really highly of each other and really value each other and, and realize the beauty and the goodness about each other, but we don't say it enough because we're saying stuff that we appreciate about the other person. And finally, it gets around to me. Now, I'm a bad encourager, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'd rather dish it out than receive it because we get around, a couple of them share about me, and we finally get around to Cody, who was up here playing guitar and leading worship. And Cody looks at me, and man, he just lays it on thick. You know what I'm saying? He just like really lays it on. I mean, he just, you need like one layer of encouragement in my book. He puts 17 layers on, just keeps coming back, just builds it up, just, oh, you're, I like you, Elijah, he's great, Elijah, Elijah, oh, it's just, you mean so much, and all that stuff that like, I probably forgot what he even said now. I can't remember, but it was just, he laid it on thick. And I'm not a crier, really, most of the time, but there was a little glistening going on in my eyes by the end of it, meaningful not crying, and he gets done, and I look over, and Matthew, got right in our sound, was right beside me, tears streaming down his face. He was just like, that was good. It was beautiful, and then by the end of it, once we all look over and see Matthew crying, it's that whole, you see somebody crying, I glistened down my face, just glistening came down my face, because it was so powerful. You see, when you, when you encourage someone else, it's never just about you or about them. It's about everyone else around. It's about what God wants to do in us. Encouragement unlocks the potential of our lives, not because our words by themselves are anything special, but because God can use those words as his gift into other people's lives. And this week, 
God has people that he wants to set up and equip and, and take somewhere good. He wants to help heal their brokenness. And they've been stabbed through with the, the swords of people's words, the reckless words. And he's looking for somebody who can come in and speak goodness and truth and encouragement in life. And you know who that someone is? Each one of us. He's equipped us for this. He has called us to this. So I want to really quickly give you three ways for you to do this, three ways to encourage. If you're a bad encourager like me, I want to give you three different types of encouragement you can do. The first is this. It's what I call no-filter encouragement. Now, a lot of you have no filters in what you say. The thought is up here, and it's out before you finish the thought. You guys know what I'm talking about? You say the dumbest. I've been around you. You say the dumbest things, and I say the, the dumberest things. I say the most dumbest things. I, I say I have no filter, and the Lord's helping me, but I have no filter. I say Boudreaux and Bucko. I've got no filter. And, and the Lord has been helping me on that, but here's what I've realized. When I encourage someone, I need to have no filter. So in other words, if I think a good thought, now like I said, I think a lot of good things about a ton of people. I, I've learned I just need to verbalize it more. I need, if I think a good thought, hey, that person's great, I need to turn to that person and say, you are great. Or if I think, hey, that person means a lot to me, they're always there for me, I need to text that person right now before I forget and tell that person. I need to give that person a call. So no filter encouragement. For most of us, if we start there, that's going to make all the difference in our lives with encouragement. Here's the second way, though, pre-made encouragement. In other words, you've got some people in your life, and you know they mean a lot to you, you know you need to say something, say it. Just say it to them right now. Just, just get it ready. Pre, think about it. Think about what you want to say in a meaningful way, knowing it's going to feel kind of awkward, and then just say it to them. And there are some people in your lives you need to say it to because they mean so much. There's some people in your lives you need to say it to because they need encouragement. They just need to hear it. And right now, as I said that, you probably think of a couple people. Probably some people close to you. Probably some people you don't know very well, but you've seen them struggling. And just plan it out right now. So if you're taking notes today and God has brought a name to mind, trust that's the Holy Spirit. Write it down right now, just to who that person is, and do some pre-made encouragement for their lives. Here's the third way, and this is key. And this will, this will be the key to unlocking our potential for God using our words to help other people, and that is spirit-led encouragement. There'll be times in your life when you're going through and, and you just sense and you're not sure if it's the Holy Spirit or not, but you sense, I need to encourage this person. I need to speak life into this person. I need to speak truth into this person. You know what you should do next? Speak it. Say it. Here's the worst thing that happens. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. And you just bless somebody anyway. But often the Spirit wants to use us because we are his mouthpiece to most people in this world. We are his mouthpiece. And he wants to use us to speak encouragement and truth and life to build others up so they can become all the man or woman that God created them to be. And God's counting on us. The power of life, the Bible says, and the power of death is in your tongue. And if we were to really take a critical look at ourselves across the last week or two weeks or three weeks, I think we would see We've said a lot of things that aren't bringing life. So they're probably bringing death. I really believe that the deepest insecurities of our lives for most of us come from things that were said to us a long time ago, recently. A lot of times it's the things we kept hearing over and over and over again. And that has become the wall that keeps us from becoming who God wants us to be. And the only thing that can tear that down is God's work in our lives and the encouragement of other people. So God's challenging us to that. Encourage other people. There is power in what we say. When Jesus got betrayed by one of his disciples named Judas, and this was right towards the end of his ministry, and he got taken, and he was going to be put on trial. 
And all the people standing there, the religious leaders who wanted Jesus gone because he got in their way, they got the crowds to yell out one word. It's translated multiple words in our Bible, but it was one word, and it was crucify him. One word, crucify him, crucify him. They spoke a word of death over his life. So what happened? He ended up getting crucified, hung on a cross. And as he was hanging there, he'd been hanging there for a while, right before he died, one of the last things he said, it's one word when he said it. Multiple words when it's translated, one word when he said it. He said, it is finished. What I've come to do, it is finished. What the power of sin held against you, it is finished. Everything holding you back, it's finished. Why? Because I'm taking your sin on myself. One word of death sent Jesus to the cross. One word on the cross spoke life over us, but there's one more word that matters for us. It's when Jesus rose from the dead and his followers didn't know it. A couple ladies showed up to the tomb on a Sunday morning. And they showed up and there was an angel there, talk about a fun Sunday morning, and the angel gave them a message and it was one word. The one word is, he is risen. The word of death, crucify him. Led to the word of life, it is finished. Which now leads to our message, which is what the ladies were told to tell others, he is risen. With your words this week, you can speak life over others. You can speak, he is risen, the resurrected power of Jesus, which is not just for a life to come. It's not just for eternal life after we die. It's for a life that starts now that is full of joy and peace and life and happiness that starts now and continues on for eternity. And your words are powerful. And your words can bring life or death. Let's go to prayer right now. Jesus, thank you so much for the word you spoke on the cross. It is finished. Thank you for what you did, for how you made a different way for us to go, and you actually made life and new life possible in our lives. But Father, I know that a lot of us struggle with past hurts, places we've been stabbed with reckless words, and we're broken. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak your encouragement into our lives. Speak it straight into our lives. Speak it through other people into our lives. And I just want to, as we remain in prayer, is there anyone here who would just say, you know what? I've faced that, and I'm facing that right now. The power of words in a negative way in my life, pulling me down. Anybody just want to raise, slip up a hand right now, and I just want to pray a blessing over you. we got others. we got some hands up. Anybody else? Say, that's me. The, the power of words are holding me back and holding me down. we got others. Anybody else? Anybody else got hands to raise? Let me bless you who've raised your hands right now. Father, bless these people who have raised their hands and said, this is, this is an area of pain, a source of hurt in my life. God, those, those wounds go deeper than the surface. And I know they're not normally shared with others, but you know them. So Spirit, would you come? Would you bring healing? Even if it takes a little time, would you bring healing to our lives? Take away the power of the negative words spoken and just bring in us your power of new life, of healing, of joy, of peace. Father, we need that. And help each one of us as we go out this week not to speak words of death, but to only speak words of life into others, to build them up, to become all the men and women of God that you created them to be. Use us as your mouthpiece this week to speak encouragement and life to other people. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said?